Elijah to hang do in there, that. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. Smiley, do you happen to have a watch on you, any form of a timepiece? Just wondering if you might be able to tell me what what time it is, any, any way to mm. give me some chronological updates here. It's nap time. <laughs> it's nap time, baby. <laughs> Pull up a pillow and a blanket. <laughs> huge win for a friend of the pod this week in Vedanta. Huge, huge win. At what you termed a full sin fest, you absolutely nailed it, buddy. And we're going to unpack this thing in full effect, but people are saying it. A lot of comments on social, the smiley show bump. <laughs> we Might finally hit thing. one. <laughs> <laughs> we were on such a bad run where, where guys would come on and play absolutely terrible after. So this, we needed, we needed the turnaround for the show. We needed the turnaround in a big way. We're not going to tell you about all the losers, but we are going <laughs> to trumpet the winner. And I think the best place to start for that is uh, I've cut together a little something to just review things we may or may not have gotten right in the past few months. So uh, let's let's take a watch and listen right here, Smiley. Do you care to throw a little rookie of the year pick at us? Uh, Jake Knapp. Interesting. Yeah, I think he's going to be a top 50 player in the world by the end of the year. Are you playing Vedanta in Mexico? Yeah, I will be there. Send it, brother. Send it. I mean, <laughs> it is a funny end fest. I, I thought it Finau won that one. I was just like, all right, let's put a little star around Mexico. Apparently, that's going to be you're going to love that place. Of course, if you hit it far, I know exactly. I'm going to pick. I'm going to take him, so you can't take him. Okay, friend of the pod, Jake Knapp. Wow, I love that pick. I was actually highly considering taking Jake. I'm riding on the Jake. Jake's gonna be so pumped that he was the number one draft pick of our one and done. He can't let you down. He's not gonna let me down. I'm thinking tour win numero uno this week. Tour win numero uno. It was smiley. I just I just want to just take a moment. I'm not a huge receipts guy or hey, you know, I told you so guy, but in this moment. It feels good and really feels good to celebrate a guy that is is so likable. Like, you know, yeah. just Jake's story, the whole thing with his granddad, like my granddad is a huge part of my own, you know, growing up, loving the game of golf. So that hit home. Guy's got an amazing swing. So fluid, insane ball speed, just easy guy to root for. Right. Oh, so easy. And, you know, we I hadn't met Jake Knapp before. I just had followed him, followed his game, kind of just been an, an admirer from afar. And I think it was a little surprising, you know, once we got him on the show, how likable he was and how cool his story was because I didn't have a relationship with him and you never really know what you're going to get in interviews and because you don't really know uh, players' personalities, you know, you just kind of figure it out as you go. And I felt pretty confident that we had a good script for the interview, but still by the end of it, I just felt like we were broing out, you know, it just felt like I've known him for years. And I think it just kind of says a lot about Jake as a person that he's easy to get along for. Like you said, very easy to root for, but man, he's fun to watch golf or play golf, excuse me. And he's just got this uniqueness about him, you know, because he can do things that are just, unlike any other player in the game right now, because who can touch these ball speeds that he can hit, but also just slow it down and hit these like super feely shots. And I thought it was actually a great comparison, putting up Freddie couples and, and his swing side by side on the broadcast, because listen, it, the tempo is exactly the same, but we're talking about 
I mean, some really quick twitch muscles that he has, as well as some unreal, unreal speed and power that he has in his golf swing that just allows him to play with such free, such freedom. Yeah, I mean, well, to 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 circle back on on just the interview, the conversation you have with Jake. I mean, you you, you finish that thing out by saying that you're next time you see him on the golf course, you're going to hit him with a protein <laughs> shake. <laughs> if you if you felt like the ball speed is a little low, here's a little protein shake to to juice it up a little bit. That is worth going back and and rewatching on our YouTube page or re-listening wherever you get your podcast. Really fun stuff there. But to kind of to kind of you know move it forward to that final round. Of, of the Vedanta, the, the Mexico open at Vedanta, where we saw Jake earn his first PGA tour win as a rookie. Uh, I, I got to just, I, I can't get too far without saying what a great final group stash and mullet vibe between Jake, <laughs> Jake's caddy, and even a little Euro version, Sammy Valamaki had it, had it working as well. Uh, that was, you know, it, it's the Minwoo Leification of the PGA tour. Love to see it. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> very Aussie vibes there. So love that. But kind of you, you're talking about, you know, just um, on, on Sunday, just the, the, you know, we marveled so much on I mean, really the whole weekend, Thursday through Saturday, just his, his ball speed and scoring and his strokes gain numbers for T to green and approach were just stupid off the charts. And then we wondered, you know, what's this final round going to look like for a guy who's sleeping on a four shot lead on the PGA tour for the first time. And I think Jake would probably be the first to tell you, uh, it, it was shaky coming out of the gate. We had that left miss off the tee yeah. and that turned to a two way miss to the right. And then, you know, some of his approach shots, you know, were, were you know, kind of a little low trajectory missing right on a lot of them. But for me, I, that I thought it was, I was just so impressed with his ability to scramble. It's like, we're, we're showing up to see this guy who's a bomber. And then you get him converting seven of nine scrambling. I, I think he, the, he didn't convert the one on the first hole. And I, I don't really know where the other one was, but just did an insanely good job of getting up and down numerous times on the back to preserve this lead. And win his first tour event, and that to me stood out the most from the whole win more than, you know, his ability to crush the ball with this effortless speed. Yeah, totally. And I guess two comments just about the event and one being, you know, there is a place in the schedule uh, for a field like this. And, you know, Jake Knapp actually was the shortest odds for a winner this entire tour season at 40 to one. And we're talking about Jake Knapp like nobody's heard of him. You know what I mean? It's just kind of wild that he actually was, you know, one of the, you know, uh, a pretty decent shot to win this week. I mean, 40 to one is probably in the top 15 of the odds board, I'd imagine. So with that being said, you know, there is a place in the PGA Tour season for a field like this. There's always storylines that are compelling. Uh, We saw it this year already with Grayson Murray winning. Just his story is fantastic. We had a a great playoff there with a veteran, Keegan Bradley and Ben on uh, battling that week. You know, it's just to me, I think people are just trying to find the perfect schedule, the perfect, um, you know, the perfect players playing. And, you know, constantly, I think these weeks are ones that I enjoy watching more. I don't know why it's just because, um, maybe it's the PGA tours, you know, regular season events. I just, I think just guys lives change. I mean, Jake Knapp's live change yesterday and for the better, and he's going to have opportunities the rest of the year to continue to prove himself that, you know, that he is a, uh, worthy of a PGA tour winner and, and a guy that can vault up in the top 50 in the world, kind of like I was hoping that he would. I mean, listen, I, 
I'll throw stuff against the wall every now and then. And luckily, <laughs> this is one that looks good it's early. Great when it sticks. Great when it sticks, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it, it's. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think that. It, uh, it is kind of funny looking back at that where we were talking about he could be a swing five guy and he was sitting right outside of the swing five for a couple of those early season signature <laughs> right. events. But now he's in. He's in the yeah. rest of the signature events for the rest of the season. He's in the Masters. He's in the PGA. Uh, truly life-changing stuff. And, and you know, I, I got to agree with you. I mean, I, I, I can see both sides of this. Like, it, we're, it, it's it's a weird place we're in in golf where you have to look at a thing, you know, that you can enjoy objectively for – these, these, I mean, it, it, in some ways, this felt similar to what is now the Cognizant Classic, the week we're entering, but last year's Honda Classic of Chris Kirk, you know, this journeyman battling mm-hmm. with uh, mm-hmm. a tour rookie, also a journeyman, Eric Cole, and a thrilling playoff finish. And you're like, this was objectively really fun to watch in terms of golf. Now, they weren't, you know, household names, but I loved watching the end of this tournament. And I, I understand people who, would, would look at the field or look at a scoreboard without having watched and say, you know, this is, there are no names at the top of this leaderboard and this is dull and this is why we're, you know, we're oversaturating our calendar with too many events. And, and it, it's, I'm not going to say people can't feel that way if that's the way they, they view golf and that's what, you know, what, what they're trying to get out of watching professional golf is to see stars at the top of a leaderboard. I understand it. But at the same time, man, I mean, this season has pr- provided some really out of the blue cool, unique storylines, Nick Dunlap, you know, Jake, even though he didn't have his best stuff in this final round, just, you know, being able to kind of hold on and get a win. That's life changing. This journeyman, this former bouncer. I mean, these are really, really cool life changing things that are worth celebrating. Even if it's not a a leaderboard that's littered with star names at the top. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think, that as we kind of continue on in the season, we're going to continue to see more stars, young stars. Like I think Chan Kim's kind of like the, yeah. the guy that's going to be the James Nitty's kind of let us let us into uh, how good of a player that Chan Kim is, and then Alejandro Tosti. Like these are some players that I, th- I think we'll probably find a way in the winner circle by the end of the year. And you know, it's just it's. You know, just from like a rating standpoint, you know, I think that's probably like where some of this gets judged Mm -hmm. as well back to how successful is the PGA Tour right now. And that's eyeballs watching golf tournaments, even like we're junkies. We're going to watch it. You know, we we want to watch it. Right. But does the the average Joe Schmo want to watch Jake Knapp and Sam Valbanaki? Is that how you pronounce his last name? (laughs) That was uh... Is that terrible. You you uh, somehow Americanized Sammy Valamaki. Uh, it was like Sam Valamanaki. Yeah, Sammy V. Sammy V. Sammy V. Sammy V. Love it. Now that's the question, right? Is do does the average golf fan want to watch Sammy V. and Jake Knapp play on a Sunday? And hey, I I do. Now I think that's the the big question of you know, for instance, this coming week on the live golf tour, like there's going to be a lot of people potentially tuning in and watching Anthony Kim restart, but also like you can't really watch him because it's in Saudi and it's going to be really weird time. So it's not like prime time, which is first off a really weird place for him to start as Saudi, right? Like you would think he would start in, in the U S to be able to capitalize on that momentum of him joining the league. Uh, but man, just, just a lot going on, um, a lot going on in the game of golf, but just want to give a big congrats to Jake Knapp as we kind of close the door on the Mexico open and we head to the Florida swing. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's, and we will get back to that live discussion because I think it's an interesting one, and there are a number of different things happening in that world that are worth covering this week. But yes, a, a hearty congrats to friend of the pod, Jake Knapp, who's welcome back anytime. Hopefully, we get to recap this first tour win with him, celebrate him a little bit with him soon. We had, and I love this, we're getting more and more of this on, on social media. Uh, if, if you want to follow us, we're at The Smiley Show on Instagram, on X, on, on TikTok, on YouTube. We, we had an Instagram message from, and, and this is this is a good uh, continuation of a theme because I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name. I think it's of a Polish variety, but Cam Z on Instagram, who just asking about you know what it takes to win and just how we've talked about Scotty Scheffler the past few weeks and, you know, having these amazing ball striking numbers, but not being able to get the job done. And, you know, we talk so much about the technical aspect of his putting, um, but just Cam, Cam Z asking about, you know, winning without your best stuff, the way that kind of Jake went out and did on Sunday of, you know, all of his superpowers kind of, you know, left him in a lot of ways. And he was able to find a different way to get it done and win the golf tournament. And, and maybe it does look different if there's a different leaderboard and, and there are other guys chasing him, but that was the leaderboard he was playing against and he got it done. I'm wondering what your reflections are on, on that particular question about, you know, what it takes to shoot a score when you don't have your best stuff. And, and if you relate at all, what you saw from Jake on Sunday to what we've seen from Scotty, you know, this past year plus and his, his inability to get it done. Yeah, no, I think I've talked to a lot of players about about this question in particular. And, you know, especially for somebody like Jake Knapp, who had a four shot lead. So that's almost more difficult because it's really just you and in the golf course and what what you can control that day. And 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 there's most likely you're going to expect to run from one or two people. And you're obviously your goal would be to go out and shoot five under and win by eight, nine shots. But it's just not as easy as that for a first time guy. And you very rarely see somebody go and do that. And the best advice I got on this was especially when you have a leave like this is to create short term goals. So I would always mm. like my first three holes, I would say, let's play these even par the next three holes. Let's play these one under and the following three holes are the easiest holes on the courses. Let's go two under on those three holes and let's make sure that we're at least one or two under at the turn. And like, that's how I would break it up into sections to where you're not on hole second of the second hole. And you're like, you know, counting down. It's like, well, man, how many more holes do I have till I get to 18? And I think that's uh, that was some really good advice I received on that. And, you know, I think from the other foot, let's say you're Sammy V and you, you start the day four shots back. That to me is kind of the, the window of four and five shots. I always felt like I had a chance if I was five shots back. Hmm. And that's kind of the limit I set it at. If I was within five shots, I knew I needed to go out and shoot something around 31 on the front side and then just get your name on the leaderboard and go post. Cause I think the best players in the world, not only do they know what the number is going to be, but they know what the number is going to be based on who the players are in front of them. Mm -hmm. They know who's going to choke. They know who's going to be able to make birdies and they know who they're not going to be able to rule out. Even if they are somebody who hasn't won, but they've played with them and they know what type of game they bring and they know what type of mental game they bring. Like for instance, Jordan Spieth, when he was battling Tom Hoagie, at uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Classic probably three years ago or so. I, as, I don't know if you could check the year on that as I continue on here. But Jordan really didn't play bad down the stretch. It was more about Tom Hoagie uh, really not giving in. He wasn't giving in to Jordan Spieth being on 
you know, head to head with him in different groups. And Hoagie continued on making birdies down the stretch. He wasn't a guy that was making bogeys and folding. And the reason why is that that Jordan had played a bunch of golf with him. He knows his tendencies as a, a very aggressive player and one that isn't scared of playing for the big moment. So I think it's all about kind of know who you're going up against. And I think if I was a guy that was seven shots back yesterday, I would have said I had a chance because Jake Knapp had not won on the PGA Tour yet. Sammy V had not won on the PGA Tour yet. So in that in my mind, I'm thinking I have a chance today. So it's all about knowing who's around you and kind of what that, that number needs to be. Uh, Tom Hoagie, that was the 2022 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Oh, two years uh, ago. Okay. Which I think was also the Jordan Speed Cliff year, if I'm remembering that correctly. So oh, yeah. uh, I think yeah. so. So that was, yeah, it was a, a memorable year for Jordan in a number of different ways. Uh, one more before we kind of flip the page to the live stuff that we touched on a little bit earlier. Uh, just looking at some stats on these rookies. So, uh, Jake Knapp this week joins Matthew Pavon and, and Nick Dunlap as the first, first time winners and rookies to win this season. Only three rookies won the entire 2022, 23 season. That was Nico Echeverria, Vincent Norman and Ludwig Oberg. And if you look back at the last 10 years, the, the most amount of rookies that have won in a single, in a, in a calendar year is 2017. We had five rookie winners. Do you have a rookie top of mind beyond the three that have won this year? Maybe we're going to get a two-time winner who you think could notch the next win this season. All right, so Grayson's won, and and Jake Knapp has won. Who is and no, Nick Grayson's Dunlap. not a rookie. Uh, so it, it's Dunlap, Pavon, and oh, you said Pavon. Knapp now. So yeah, rookies. Wow. Yes. Okay, so yeah. Pavon's like a rookie of the year candidate. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I would just the guy in my head uh, that I could just mention him a moment ago. Two of them, Alejandro Tosti and Chan, um, and uh, Chan Kim. Yes, yes. Although I'm not seeing, I don't think Kim's on on a rookie list either. I think he previously had tour status. Uh, you, that's a good question. Um, he he, might, he might be one of those first time or uh, first year member. There's a, there's a separate list like Minwoo Lee and Ryan Fox are on. They must've been in that special temporary. You know us in categories. <laughs> God, <laughs> you I know us it. in categories. We're not the greatest there. Uh, I, I will say this is on Chan Kim is I thought it was really cool. I was looking back through the photos last night of, um, Jake celebrating on the green and Chan <laughs> Kim's out there dumping water on him. And it's just cool to see all those guys who were just celebrating, getting their, their tour cars off the corn Ferry tour car, celebrating or off the corn Ferry tour. It's fun. Uh, it's a fun celebrating night. a similar fashion. Like I think we, I saw a video last night on social of Jake Knapp shotgunning a beer in an Anaheim ducks Jersey. That was, at the end, that was after getting his card at the corn Ferry tour finals. I'm celebrating with that same group of guys and cool to see Chan Kim, you know, celebrating with him, celebrating, you know, shared success of both those guys. Uh, making a big leap this year. So fun stuff, fun stuff down in Mexico. Um, Big, big sort of shift here to go over to uh, what you, what you briefly touched on before Anthony Kim live stuff. Uh, You know, he's, he's, it's rumored that he's going to play this week uh, in Jetta. And and you, you touched on it. I also on, on X uh, at a N G C underscore burner, I think said it best, which is, can one of you live insiders explain why AK would debut at Jeddah and not in the USA where literally all of us sickos would watch live? And, and that's, that's the same question that I have. Like, I just don't, I mean, there's been so much chatter and I guess the net, you know, maybe, maybe it's a timing thing where the next time they're going to play in the United States is uh, April 5th for live Miami, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the only event we're going to have, we're going to have Jeddah. 
this upcoming weekend, we're going to have Hong Kong the following weekend and then not again until April. And maybe they just didn't want to delay or maybe they want to beta test AK to see if he's going to play well, if he's worth featuring. But I, I just don't because because no matter what happens, we're going to see highlights and we're going to see what score he shot. And then we're going to make a determination as to whether or not we want to watch going forward. And you're going right. to rule out part of the part right. of the audience. Whereas, like first time, I'm in. Like sign me up. I, I, I'm just you know pure curiosity factor. Yeah, my curiosity is like one out of ten. I really. I I'm just not buying stock. I I just I just think that there's no way that he's going to be competitive anymore. But. What do I know? I'm I'm the guy at one out of ten right now. I'm sure there's everybody else's ten out of ten. I just don't think that his game's going to be anywhere near as sharp as what the game is now for the best players in the world. And there's there's some best players in the world over there on the live. So I just it's just hard to go out, you know, from not playing over however many years it's been and go out and shoot a bogey free sixty five. I just think it's going to be a lot easier for him to shoot a birdie with seventy four. <laughs> But but I, th- I think that it so I think I'm actually separating those two things, right? Like I'm saying it, it you know, if, if one scale is how good is he going to play on a scale of one to 10, I'm probably closer to you over in the one, two, three range. But if, if the other scale is how intrigued are you to watch this? I'm at a full 10 out of 10 because a 74 or an 80 is completely in play. And I think that's what from from just a, a product growth standpoint, like if the goal is to get more people in the door you know, if he goes but out, these, and fires the people, a, the people that haven't, you know, it, it's it's kind of our generation that knows who Anthony Kim is. It's not the, the younger generation has no idea who Anthony Kim is. It's like it's like my dad describing me like a, a rock band that he went to college and watched. <laughs> but but I think there's also like a vintage T-shirt aspect of this where like this younger crowd is seeing all these people talk about this urban legend. Like who? Like, I don't remember watching him. And it's like, wait. Maybe I could be super cool by being, oh, yeah, I remember Anthony Kim, right? I remember his highlights when I was a kid. Like, you didn't watch a single Anthony Kim shot in your entire life. But it's like a hip factor of, like, I'm in on this guy. I don't want to go see him play. I don't know. I mean, I just – I want to watch it regardless. But I think that if he goes out and he finishes, you know, six over for the week, I'm less incentivized to tune in when it's actually in my broadcast window in the United States where they could be moving the needle – and putting up broadcast numbers that could help them in a long-term play to sell to a real broadcaster for a real TV contract. I just think that I just think the play here is wrong. Yeah. Well, let me know how he plays and, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, well, I'm not getting up in the middle of the night watching Jetta. Like I, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm just going to watch the highlights, uh, which is, you know, unfortunate. So, uh, I guess, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate for all of us who are sickos, but, uh, you know, we're just, we're going to wait and see and find out how he, how he does. So, um, a few other kind of live ones I wanted to pin you on as well is, uh, I don't know how interesting this is it, to me. It's pretty predictable, but, uh, John Rom joined sports center over the weekend. It was sort of like, mm-hmm. a, 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 I, edited, I watched you know, a little bit of it with, with, with Marty Smith and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. uh, it, it was asked about, you know, reaction from tour, other tour pros and, you know, Rory has been very supportive publicly of the decision and privately as well. Uh, but he, I guess he shot tiger a text after making the decision and, you know, let him know, hey, this is a personal decision and did not hear back from Tiger. Uh, does that surprise you at all? <laughs> Do you remember when John was like kind of upset about how Tiger would help like Justin out? Yes. You know, like it was like almost <laughs> petty. It's like that. Right. That he also wasn't taking John Rahm underneath his wing to help, you know, propel his career. It's almost like he went to live 
over Tiger not texting him back. It's it's completely just a play for John Rom. I, I almost wonder. It's like, hey, like you think John texted Tiger right before he went and said, "Hey, Tiger, I'm about to sign with Live Golf." Almost like as a, hey, like <laughs> call hey, me you up, <laughs> <laughs> you up, <laughs> man. I I don't know. It's just it's it's not sh- surprising at all. You know, not Tiger Woods is. I think he's been pretty you know, on the, on the forefront of, of trying to divide the two right now to make sure the PGA tour is going the way that it should. And I think probably during all of this, they were really focused on the private equity side and, and John Rom going to the live golf tour. There's nothing that Tiger Woods can do about that. I mean, and if he, and, and Tiger Woods getting a text from John Rom saying, Hey, I'm going, it's a personal decision. It's like, what, what are you supposed to say back? Like, cool, man. Like, great. Like, thanks a lot. <laughs> you know, there's nothing yeah. that Tiger's going to say up, back. That's like, why would you ever respond to that? I, I, I completely agree. I've heard something uh, similar in terms of the interaction he had with HV3 after he left, even though HV3 did it, you know, in a, in a very um, transparent way of like, this is life changing money for not only my family, but my foundation. And I think of, of all the players that left, he was one of the ones that left with um, you know, uh, retaining the the best sort of uh, general sense of public, uh, you know, goodwill around him because he was just honest about it in a way that other players weren't. Um, but still, I mean, I think for Tiger, it's um, the guy's a competitor, and I think that as he as he becomes less and less competitive on the course, and he gets this role where he gets to lead the next version of the PGA Tour on the policy board, I can see how probably he gets more and more competitive there. And if you're losing big names to live that probably doesn't feel that good especially if you're a guy who's trying to you know tell guys hey we're working on a project we're working on getting this all together we're going to try to get you money just hang with me here trust me it's going to work out so yeah this is i mean i read the headline and i'm like interesting that he said it out loud i don't know if i don't know if i would have said that if i was john rom uh but doesn't shock me at all what tiger's reaction was to, to john reaching out and telling him and what'd you think of the uh sports watching answer because when Marty Smith asked it, I was like, ooh, I perked up. I was like, what is he going to say? I <laughs> wouldn't do that. Wasn't a softball. A lot of these times when, no. when these interviews are scheduled, you just get softball questions. And that that was a legitimate question that wasn't answered great. <laughs> None of them it, answered it well. My takeaway from that, and there were a couple other questions that were obviously sports washing is the, the most important one in terms of like, hu- you know, human beings, human rights in the world. But there were also questions about like, the competition itself and the format where <laughs> Rom's first reaction is like, you know, like <laughs> deep exhale. How am I going to spend this one? Okay. Here's my answer that I've workshopped about a thousand times with my PR team, you know, and, and, and that's the way it's just, you said this when he left and it's just so strange to me, you know, go and do whatever you want, but it, it's just, he was one of the last guys that I felt like made sense going because of what we know about his mental still. makeup. And and it's, it's like, he's, he's labored with this. Like, I got to explain this thing again. Like, I don't, it's like, he's almost trying to convince himself that it's a super competitive product and, and, you know, whatever else. And, and, and so, you know, I'm, I am, it's intriguing that he did the interview and said what he said, but at the same time, you know, the sports washing answer, the, the, the league format answer, it's almost like, he's like, I have the money and that's going to tide me over for some period of time. Yeah. But I was really banking on this thing coming back together through, you know, the PIF and the PJ tour sitting down, hammering out a deal. And now that this SSG thing happened, 
uh, it's looking less and less, you know, solid. So I, I, I'd love to get some honest off-camera answers from John Rahm about where he feels about this thing going forward. Uh, just, you know, the way things have gone down since he signed and went over to live. So it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, um, unification would be what any golf fan would want to see. You know, it's just there's just so many things that have to get ironed out, you know, just the live golf players not being a part of any of the equity stake of the PGA tour would probably be the first thing. And I just, it's just really hard, you know, like, and now like these rumors of Rory McIlroy, like actually considering live golf, it's, it's like, what universe are we living in? That's, that's insane. I mean, we, we had that as, as kind of, you know, one of the many items, you know, there were, there were live rumors and stories popping up this week, but that one, at first, I think it was like a Chubby Chandler report. It's former agent who was, who was talking about, and he's like, "Yeah, like if if they offered him nine hundred million dollars, he he'd probably consider going." And it's like, "Yeah, I mean, if anyone offered me nine hundred million dollars, I'd certainly give it a thought." You know, to, you know, for most things, no matter what it is. But um, but then it it the, the drumbeat kind of started to keep picking up. More and more people, you're just hearing kind of rumors on Twitter and and things privately and. I mean, we texted a little bit about this last night. It's like I it would just be such a stunning turnaround from where he began being the the loudest critic of Liv mm-hmm. in lockstep with Jay Monahan and the tour to see him go in that direction. Uh, you just wonder what it is that would motivate him to do that. And if part of it is just him being upset with how it all played out. You know, you guys wasted a year of my career if if he feels this way. Uh, you know, threw away a master's. I was so focused on this thing. And then you went and, and did this 180. Well, guess what? It, it, if, if you know, they have money on the table for me that I can go get, I'm going to go get it. And you guys can figure it out. I, I just, I don't know what the motivation would be otherwise. I just, it doesn't make any sense for his brand and all of the stances that he has taken uh, against live golf and just how much he hates live. And you're going to see that come out in full season swing or the, the news. Uh, Netflix series that's coming out yes and you're gonna see that and and then also you see where he's like man I I just like you know these guys should just do whatever they want so you start to see it kind of turn a little bit in uh in that episode as well but man just like what in the world if if Rory went it just I think honestly for a guy that that kind of you know stood and answered all the questions and was the PGA tour dude that stood up there and and did it all. He, he played really good golf. He answered all the hard questions and, you know, basically said what everybody else was thinking on golf Twitter. He said it out loud in the media. And now he's going to be the guy that goes and signs the deal about all the things that he said about how much he hates live and how much he hates the competition and, and that legacy means something to him, but money yeah. wins, I guess. Right. And that's what uh, we've learned in all this. Cause these, these players, regardless of what they've said in the past and what they think about competition and legacy and, and, and chasing records, it just, it's starting to go more out the window, right? Like when are we going to see players that are going to be chasing Tiger Woods's record again? Like it's just, they're chasing dollar right. bills right now. And I think it just turns a lot of people off. It, it, it certainly does. You're hearing a lot of fan sentiment in that direction. You're even hearing players say that. I mean, Mackenzie Hughes has been on that the entire season consistently. And and I think that it's, um, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting to, to see that the fractures within the game. And, and, and I think 
me a couple of reflections on what you just said. One is if you're talking about, um, you know, chasing Tiger Woods records or tour legacy, I mean, there's a good chance that this whole thing looks radically different in two, three, four, five years where it's going to be even, it's going to be hard to compare whatever the new PGA tour is with whatever <sighs> the legacy was. It's going to be strange because, you know, we could theoretically, if, if some sort of deal is brokered with PIF to bring these players back together, the tournament structure is going to look completely unique and how you bring them back together, you know, not only in majors, but in, you know, whatever the signature events become or the players or, you know, marquee live events or team events. I just think it's going to be hard to almost compare. Um, I think uh, you said something there about the full swing screener. We, we, by the way, we, we, we got these early screeners for full swings. We're really excited to drop an episode with uh, Chad mom on March 6th that just previews the drop of that second season it was really a lot of really cool storylines there. And I had the exact same thought reading these Rory rumors and just seeing it's like he put all this stuff on camera over the course of a year that paints it in one light. And then like all, all these other things are going to happen where he's done a full 180 in real time, but you're going back and watching the old, I, I, the, the thing that makes me laugh the most about that is you're going to have some, you know, golf casual at home watching full swing, thinking that that's what Rory stands for, not following the day to day, like nerdy, you know, in the weeds news on golf, not knowing where Rory stands now. And then like, if Rory goes like, wait, what that guy, like that same guy that was yeah. diametrically opposed to it. Like that, that thing is that's, that was, and I, let's say what, maybe the rumors are more about Rory wanting unification between the two, yes. knowing that the PGA tour is not going to be able to survive against uh, live golf. And if maybe his in the back of his brain right now is sick and, you know, if, if I have if, if it if we're not going to unify these two tours and not merge, then I might just have to go to live golf because the reason why I'd have to do it is to force a merger. And the more players that go to live golf, the more you're going to have to force this merger. And I think that to me is is what is happening. But in my opinion, I think it's a bit of a lie that might be being told to him on that because wouldn't it make sense for Liv Golf to say, hey, come over here. We'll, it'll force a merger between the two. They're going to have to do a PIF investment. The PGA Tour would have to. But what makes the Saudis and want to do business with the PGA Tour if they get Rory? You know, like why would they in that in that sense, like they just went from, you know, it's kind of debatable where the top players are. Then if you get Rory, it's like, okay, that's a, now it's like, all right, you can kind of go match for match there. And, and you have now Rory, John Rom, Cameron Smith. I mean, it's like, whoa, that to me, is like, you now have the bargaining chips of, okay. <laughs> we don't we, even need to come kinda, to the table at that point. Do we? I, I, that's, I think that's the potential of live golf might just potentially become the the biggest tour in the world because then you start to see Victor Hovland go and then you see right. other guys follow him because these are the players on the PGA Tour it's that said I just want to play where the best players are playing and I think Rory going could blow up the whole thing in the wrong way and that to me is what I think it might be being sold to him right now that I'm like oh man you know I think he thinks it would force a merger but I think it could blow it up the wrong way I, I think that that's dead on. And, and, and look, you're, is it dead on? I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I, mean, I think it's, I think it's, who's to say really is what I probably it's should. It's just my guess. I don't with. know. It, it's, it's a guess, but I, I do think it's, I think a couple things there is one, what you're describing 
the names you listed, Rory, Vic, you're now describing what we've talked about a lot, which is a global tour, an international tour, and an American tour. Yeah. And the PGA tour, right? I mean, listen, all their TV contracts are domestic. You know, all I mean, they're, they're, they're most lucrative TV contracts, I should say. Those are domestic. All their biggest stars, you know, the, with everyone else leaving are American. So it makes sense for them to try to kind of push their chips in there. But, you know, at the same time, you risk alienating all those international players who can get a nice paycheck and go play with increasingly more and more of their Ryder Cup buddies. I mean, imagine a tour with, you know, Rom, Rory, and, and Hovland on it. You know, not with, notwithstanding the, some of the other big names on it. Like, that's, I mean, it's good luck listen, trying to put together a Ryder Cup team without those guys. I mean, the, I, you're going to blow up the Ryder Cup at that point. What, what do you think some of those guys on the Live Golf are thinking that are kind of in the middle of the back of the pack that they see these rumors of like Rory, Hideki, uh, Victor Hovland, Wyndham Clark, and they're just thinking, please, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Stay on the I tour. Did, <laughs> I did not sign up to play the Asian tour. Please, I do not want to play me. the they were full time. <laughs> I mean, it, but it, it's a real thing. And I think that that's the other thing too, is that, and, and actually to be fair to live in some ways, I, this last year they had guys that kind of had to shoo out the door and, and it sounds like they were helpful with like a relocation package or some or a severance package, I should say, in terms of paying those guys out for their contracts and, or, or paying fines to get them back on the DP world tour or whatever else. So you know, I don't know how they'd handle the guys that would get booted, but you know that if Rory's signing up, someone's getting booted. Doesn't matter what, you know. And, yeah, and maybe, yeah. and, and maybe part of that, like if we're trying to be optimistic, maybe part of what happens there is uh, changing the league format to 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 make you know to create space for a wild card, to create more of an open field, and to get it closer to a place where it could get you know world ranking points. You know, that's one way where it's like you're bumping guys from teams. Like I think Hudson Swappert is just playing as a wild card this year. Doesn't have a team. No, I know. So, so it's like one of those things where maybe there's some flexibility there where you get Rom and Rory in the room and say, hey, guys, we got to look at adjusting this format now that we're having more guys come over. How can we do this to, to you know, make space for Monday qualifiers or whatever? Just do what we need to do to make it so that we can get legit world ranking points. And then that solves a big problem for us as well. And also creates flexibility for more guys to come over. And you kind of talk about how the live golf tour is more of a, a global um, tour. There's not as many Americans and you just mentioned Hudson Swafford. Okay. So Hudson to me is, I think he's in the top half of their better players on that tour, but he's not on a team. So what does that tell you about what their priorities are? It's about getting the teams and the nationalities that kind of represent each team that have a little bit of a culture and unity to it. And Hudson Swafford being the American going over there, taking a bet, thinking, listen, I, I can make a lot more money over here. I can be on a team and and really just kind of make the jump. But you could see where the live golf uh, let's say executives are putting their priorities and it's, and it's in that global and market, I guess. So I, I just see that why as an American, would you make that jump over there unless you know you're, you're set up because listen, look what they've done with Hudson, which I think is, I, I can think of plenty of players. I would kick off a team before I would put Hudson, not on a team. Well, and, and look at the experiences of the American players over there that are supposed to be more marquee stars. Like I'd say probably the American that's maybe had the best experience in terms of tour success has, or, you know, live tour success has been Taylor Gooch, but 
the flip side of that is he's not getting into any majors. I, I he didn't get a special invite the same way that Waco <laughs> Neiman got one into did the you Masters. Think, did you think he was going to get one? Like, do you think that he was ever, do you think if he would have played better in other majors, like, like already contended in majors like Joaquin Neiman has, uh, do you think that would have made a difference? I think it, it, it's such an interesting topic because we were discussing this on another PGA Tour radio show where it, it's like it's almost like the the Waco Neiman had two things going for him. One, he had all the international success. He represents this sort mm-hmm. of this growing market in Australia. And the, played good there too. Yeah. Played good in Australia, and, and that was if you look at the release that the Masters put out as part of the invitation, they don't mention any of his of his finishes on live tour it's all this mm-hmm. other stuff he's done well and they understand that that south america you know that's a developing market that's part of their mission is to grow the game of golf yeah it's it's really interesting in the context of this discussion where augusta national is like yeah we're about this international stuff we're going to try to keep growing our product there mm-hmm. you know even if it's at the expense of some of the stuff in america we're going to do that so i think it was that and i also think it's it's that he was showing a real effort like he was he was playing in all these random tournaments trying to get back into the top 50 because you know his stated goal was to get into the masters right and i think probably fred ridley and others probably saw that and said you know what like this guy should probably be there because he's a good player and he represents a lot of things that are important to us let's give him the invite and and you know and, and taylor on the other hand wasn't doing a lot of that stuff now I think Taylor has two young kids. He doesn't have to, right? Like, why would he? You know, he did. Like, I guess he could. Like, last year, he didn't even try to qualify for the U.S. Open. Right. So, so then, so look, so Taylor, so that's, he's probably one of the best case scenarios of Americans that have gone over. Now, look at some of the other ones. I mean, Brooks Kepka won a major, but had a major feud with another American teammate, Matthew Wolf. Wolf's fallen off the face of the earth Mm -hmm. in terms of like where, how, how his golf's been. Bill Mickelson, we think, but, I, I think I, I feel like he's not as bad as we think it is, but I could be yeah, wrong. I mean, Matt Wolf. that's I mean, it has to be fair. I would have had to watch a lot of live golf that I didn't watch. <laughs> no, and I didn't. So I, I love, don't know. I love the I love the blind take on it because I think he's actually a little better than we think he's done. I just I'm not positive. I think it's been more the drama. I think we expect that he's played bad because Brooks said he's played bad, but I don't think it's been like that bad. Right. Well, I mean, and that's a whole other <laughs> the drama with him and Brooks is like, you know, it, it overshadows a lot of different things, you know, but, you know, work ethic. I don't know. I mean, the the whole thing there, I think what you can say is he came in with Victor Hovland and Colin Morikawa, and it's pretty clear out of that group who's doing better than the other one. And that's a tough group to, to be compared to, but nonetheless. Um, so you got that. You got Phil Mickelson aging, played great in the Masters last year, but hasn't had a ton of success on live. Mm-mm. Bubba Watson still kind of struggling, get, making his way back mm-hmm. from injury. Um, I mean, shoot, other Peter, guys, Peter, Peter Yuan was a good go. Like that was a really good go for him. He's, he's been on the aces. He's played well. I think he's Bry- been on the aces. Uh, Bryson's had team success and yes, success. Bryson's played really well over there. And, uh, Harold Varner had a good year last year. He did. Um, I think it's kind of the exact same golf he's played on the PGA tour. I always played on the live golf. It just happens to be less guys. And so that kind of bumps you up as far as the amount of players that you're, you're playing against. Yeah. So it, and you know, and, uh, and, and then D- DJ, I guess, had team success early, but like in terms of coming over and playing in majors and trying to keep himself higher in the world rankings that way, hasn't had a ton of success beyond the tour. So to me, I, I guess my point there is it's been a real mixed bag for Americans on that tour and kind of going back to, you know, the point where we started, where it's just it, it does feel like this league is set up more to support these international units and growing into new markets. And, and by the way, I think it's a smart do you care play about that. Them. Do you care about that? 
do I care about that? I mean, I, you know, I care about American stars. Like I, I care about European stars, like when they're mixed in going up against American stars. Like I love watching young American players that are needle movers over here that are going up against, you know, guys like Rory, guys like Rom, Victor, like the, the, that to me is where the game is really fun when you have a bunch of different players from all over the world that are battling it out at, at big events, which we'll always see in the majors. Right. I mean, I, I, I think I care about it. I care really, I care about it in the context of the PGA tour. Like I love a diverse tour. I think it's amazing. I mean, I think a lot of the international players end up being some of my favorites because they bring something so unique and different to the table. You know, we feel that way about Min Woo Lee, such a funny mm-hmm. guy, unique sense of humor. When I mean, we were talking to Ludwig, I was just struck by a guy that is seemingly so robotic and quiet, just this dry sense of Scandinavian humor. So I love things like that. But I think that it kind of out of sight, out of mind kills those guys. Like Cam Smith was one of my favorite players on tour he left after winning the open championship. And I really haven't thought a ton about him outside of him showing up at majors since then. If you go, this blew my mind. If you go to that John Rom clip hosted on the ESPN YouTube page that has 11.4 million subscribers and was posted a, a day ago at the time of this recording. Do you want to guess how many views that thing has? And how I guess I'm not, I'm not like view watching because our view counts are lower than this, but I mean, it's got, 13,000 views. I mean, that's, that's not crazy. that many. That's not that many for, for an 11.4 million subscriber account. That's, that's minuscule. And so I just wonder if part of what's happening to these guys is they're going over there. And I just haven't thought about John Ramatun since he left. And, you know, it, it sucks because I'd care a lot about him if he was still on the PGA tour, but because he's not like, yes, of course I'll care about him when he shows up for the majors, but it's, it's just, we're in this, this fracture world. It, it hurts everybody Mm -hmm. it diminishes the value of the pga tour but it doesn't really gain a ton on live tour it really just keeps hurting the fans over and over and over again and so if we're really going to bring this full circle back to where we started it that's why i think your point on rory is a good one is that he might be getting a lot of advice from people hey do this and and you know we've seen how rory is trying to kind of maneuver in different ways publicly of you know taking positions to help he's a politician right and, and so, and so, like, this is he, feels is he like not kind of turned move. into a politician a little bit? I, you know, just one, one, one day he has this view, and then the next day he has another view. And and full swing, another thing you're going to learn is that he says that Jay Monahan, no, no player on the PGA Tour has a better relationship with Jay Monahan than Rory does. So, to me, I think is what is happening at this moment. First off, Rory has like two weeks off. So anytime these players have had time off, you start to see these rumors come out because I think there is conversations that happen on these off weeks. And Rory, I think is playing middleman right now between the PGA tour live golf tour. And I think he's just kind of trying to unify the, the, uh, the two parties. And I think he thinks he's the, He's the, the what it be the poker chip. I don't I don't know how much he's actually really considering going to live. I think it's more about if I go to live, this will unify the tours. But I also think that's a gamble that if he makes and then it doesn't unify, we're like, okay, now what? <laughs> right, right, and and it could certainly backfire. And I just think it's something worth considering. But I mean, definitely, um, yeah, it's it's who knows how it shakes out. It'd be really great if if he did decide to go. It brought things together, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's tough to see a world in which that just happens. And I mean, you know, in the same way that we played John Rahm's 
pledging fealty, you know, sound over and over again when he left for live, like that line from full swing of, you know, I'm closer to Jay than probably another player on the tour. If he left, I mean, that would get brought up a lot. So yeah. Uh, interesting, interesting stuff on the live front. Uh, probably went longer than we even thought we were going to, but all worth recapping, discussing, cause that's, that's the state of our game right now, but we are now returning to a segment we debuted last week, uh, working title swing notes. Uh, and the reason we're returning to it is because we have a viewer slash listener submission for their swing, which okay. I'm really excited about. We have Brian, <laughs> Brian Starnes on Instagram. who sent in an eight iron video and a driver video. Uh, how's the angle? Uh, well, I'll show it to you. So we, he's a six handicap going through a swing rebuild. And and he's gonna and he said he, he's the driver is having a big problem with open face and he's coming over it. He's feeling like his body compensates or responds to that positioning. Uh, we're, we're we're gonna let's just dive right into it. Let's just see if this Can works. We see it. We're just throwing stuff at the wall right now and see if it if it uh, if it, if it sticks, uh, okay. which I'm completely fine with. Um, all right, so here's Brian hitting the eight iron smiley. How do we first of all camera angle? Good. I don't know. Keep going. Okay. All right. Here we go. We're rocking. Yeah, uh, camera angle's not good. Camera angle's not good, okay? A lot of waggles. Definitely Brian's a waggler. Yeah, he's uh he's got a steep problem. Yeah. We've got a steep problem. Okay. So can you slow it down? I can, I just, can, can you give me to, to the top? Slow it down. Yeah, let's let's He go was here. super cupped at the here. top of his swing. Okay, so here we go. Yep. Oh, oh. I need to just be able to pause. Okay, can we get go. people to send these in slow mo? Because this is going to be hard <laughs> to do. First note, everyone, please send in slow mo. Okay, so this is Brian at the top. Okay, like if you if you cut cut this in half and you just looked at his lower body, you'd say, okay, good start. Yep. Uh, you know, looks like he loads his right, his right leg really nicely, uh, gets his weight into his right foot. So so far, we're in a good spot. But at the top of the swing here, definitely has a little bit of a cupped left wrist, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, he doesn't get into any type of bowed left wrist in the downswing. He actually goes to more cupped. Yeah, see that right yep. there was a very like that's an early extension type of move because you got to get rid of it somehow. Mm. Like you have to lengthen your arms and basically just extend, extend your wrist and kind of stop turning. You stall out. And you're going to have two way misses. You're going to hit, you're going to hit some, uh, hit some hooks left and you're going to hit a lot of shots short, right? So if I were Brian, 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 yes. If I were Brian, I would continue to do what you're doing with your full swing or excuse me, your, your lower body. Um, but what I would do, I would go and get, um, a, a tool, uh, that you can put on the top of your grip. It's, I think it's called the hanger. And okay. it kind of screws in on the top. And what it's going to help them do, it's going to help them feel that your forearm and your left wrist doesn't get quite as cupped in transition. So you could even get the pro sender, I think would be a nice thing for him to get. Yeah. Um, help him feel a little bit more of that left wrist not getting quite as much cupped and then getting into that extension in his lower body and the downswing to where maybe we can get that shaft to pitch a little bit back behind him um, in that first couple of moves there in the downswing uh, where the club face isn't quite as open, which is, he's totally right. Like, yeah, my, I think I remember you saying his face was open. He swipes across mm-hmm. it. It's because he just loses all of his hand depth in the downswing and has a cupped wrist. You're, there's nothing you can do about that. 
So, um, there's the, that that's uh, all great stuff. And smiley, I'm going to, I'm going to make a suggestion here and you tell me this is a good one or a bad one because all the things you're saying about Brian were things that very recently connected to, and probably still connect to my own swing things I'm trying to go through. I was really steep. I had early extension. Uh, I don't know that my wrist was cupped at the top, but I definitely was not, you know, covering the ball. And and when you're talking about laying that shaft down, one thing that, you know, this began last week with each of us showing, sharing what we were working on. And I was working on some, some stuff out at, at uh, old Chatham with John Marino, who's been fantastic. And um, John has been having me work this week on at the top of the backswing, just kind of the, the move feeling like that feeling like on the, like when the Cubs behind me, that shaft kind of laying down and feeling like my right palm is facing the ground. And then from there, just turning, turning through the ball. So just feeling like the bottom knuckles facing the ground on the left arm and the right arm, the palm facing down and then turning from there. And I think that, you know, that for me, you know, certain swing thoughts click for, for certain people differently. But for me before where I was scared to death of, of sticking the club head in the ground and popping out of it, it felt like I could get more side bend that way and kind of turn through it and get closer to the ball and cover it more. So Brian, I don't know if that's a good suggestion or not. Smiley can chime in and maybe clarify that, but just one I'll pass on since maybe we're in similar boats. <laughs> if you told Brian to lay the shaft down right now, he would hit it right of Mexico. And <laughs> so no, I wouldn't tell him to lay the shaft down right now because his wrist structures are, are not, are not there. Um, I think he's got to fix the most important problem, which is the club face. And then eventually maybe we can start talking about laying the shaft down, shallowing it a little bit, but I'd rather try to fix the thing that hits the golf ball first, which is the club face, which is you got to kind of fix the, the, uh, the way the wrists work a little bit, which is, um, it's totally doable. Um, that's a, that's something easy that you can figure out. You're going to have to do a lot of slow-mo swings, um, but I actually like what you're working on, Charlie. I just think if Brian tried to start laying the shaft down right now, he would get even more cupped and get more stuck and would hit. So he would just have to go into even more early extension to try to get to to try to throw the club face at it. Brian, I'd, I'd like for you to go take a video trying what I just suggested. And I want you to take a video of you hitting the ball. And then I want you to take your phone and go take a video of where the ball ended up. And then when you're done with that, uh, go get a pro sender or whatever it is the smiley suggested to get yeah, your the hanger device is a good one the hanger device love it well hey look i'd say that's a pretty successful second voyage for uh swing notes and please keep sending in your videos we'd, we'd like to time permitting get to one of these a week to get smiley to chime in on everybody uh so we're just, brian we're gonna skip the driver video this week i think you have enough to work on as it stands so uh that's that has been swing notes and and then we have yet another fan base thing to pay off here because this last week on Instagram, we, uh, we tweeted out a picture of a Jan Craig, uh, knit head cover. little smiley Ooh. show head cover. Do one of the winner? first ones. We do have a winner and his name is Tyler Sweeney at Tyler underscore Sweeney 14 on Instagram. Listen, we had a ton of responses on X and Instagram. I wish we had 50 of these things. We give them away to everybody like greatly appreciate everybody taking the time to go and subscribe and, and to watch us on YouTube and, and to, to chime in and all the nice things you all said about the show. We appreciate every last one of you. And uh, hopefully we'll have more giveaways in the future to get you guys some cool show swag. But Tyler, I really enjoyed the Photoshop. Tyler sent in a screenshot 
had an arrow pointing at, at us on the banner of our YouTubes, uh, leaning on the, the 18th hole uh, signage uh, at Spyglass Hill. And it, it said, the boys. And then another arrow pointing at subscribe and said, me being subscribed. I was like, oh, <laughs> love it. Love it, Tyler. Well done, buddy. Good photoshopping. <laughs> so we appreciate all of you. But Tyler, uh, check your your DMs. We're going to get your address and, and send you that head cover soon. Congrats, um, Tyler. Congrats to Tyler. So, you know what, Smiley, that leaves just one more thing for us to do in the show. Uh, and it's a segment I'm very much looking forward to because it is our second week of our one and done. Ooh, and okay. First week went pretty well. First week went pretty well. Uh, we rolled the tape off the top of the show. I picked Jake Knapp. I earned 500 FedEx Cup points. Smiley picked Tony Finau. He earned 54.167 FedEx Dang Cup it. points. <laughs> I'm so far back. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's what did Tony it was, finish? You know, I'd have to go find that. Uh, I was so like invested in Jake Knapp winning for you that I didn't really care what Tony finished. <laughs> Tony finished T13, like not terrible. It's just you get a lot yeah. more FedEx Cup points for winning than for T13, and so that's just how that one went. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so now we have to decide what happens here. Is this a situation like? The game of golf. If you win the last week, you you have the honor. You're on the tee, or is it the the the, I think we the player from coming from behind gets a chance to make their way up? I no, we we pick. alternate every week. Just flip every week. Love it. Yeah. Okay. So we'll and then, I have three players on between. I've gone back and forth and back and forth, and okay. I've landed on uh, a winner already this year. I'm going to take Chris Kirk. I love it. I love it. Uh, I mean, it's it obviously won here last year. Uh, it feels like a, a great course fit, of course, because he won. Who's played and better this, on Bermuda this year? And and it's Chris it's Kirk. A, <laughs> Chris Kirk has played really well in Bermuda this year. You talked about this. You know, we're we're moving away from from Poe. We're heading back to the, to the you know Florida. We're, we're going to get some of these guys who have had putting struggles. Uh, we're going to get them right down there on the Florida swing. Uh, and, and this is this is actually a perfect little duo this week because uh, the the guy I'm going to choose is Eric Cole. So we're going to have both the guys in the playoff last year. I, I just, I'm looking at, you know, we've got this run of sort of long shot winners and Eric would not be a long shot winner. I mean, he was a rookie last year. He still hasn't broken through with the win yet. He's going to win this week, isn't he? Are you going to go two for two? <laughs> if, if I go two for two, I mean, I'm just going to keep clipping these and just hand them out like candy <laughs> to our, our followers on, uh, on all of our social platforms. But T, T10 at the Genesis, uh, T14 at Pebble, T21 at the AMX, T13 at Sony, T14 at Century. Like he's 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 playing good, consistent golf. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you get back to a place where you almost got it done. And, mm-hmm. and maybe this is the breakthrough week for Eric and continues our trend of you know these long shot winners or, or, or not household name type winners, you know, breaking through, getting getting their first win. So okay. that's good. Uh, if you're building a lineup as well, I definitely want to give some more names. Um so other two players that I had in mind, Shane Lowry yeah. and and uh, Sepp Straka. Those were the three I was between. Well, and I'm going with Chris Kirk, uh, mainly because I think I know where I'm going to use the other two guys throughout the year. So I just wanted to use Chris Kirk knowing that that guy, once he gets off the West Coast, it's like, all right, game on. Um, other that. players that I kind of put a star by were... Young guys, Alejandro Toasty. I think he's going to have a good week. And let's see. 
Anybody coming to your mind, brain as I'm yeah, kind of scrolling well, through here? Christian Bizanu, I, I think, is going to have a good week. I had three names that I wanted to just run by to see if you liked any of these guys. Because, you know, it, it's it, this course is, as, as you'll find out when you watch our Shane Lowry interview, which drops on Wednesday, well, uh, reliving some great highlights of uh, Smiley and uh, Shane playing the bear trap. This is a golf course that requires good ball striking, right? There are mm. a lot of tough approach shots here. So the three guys that kind of came to my mind uh, were JT Poston, Keith Mitchell, and Ben on. You like yeah. any of those guys? I, li- I like all three of them. You can't go wrong. It's just like if you're building lineups, so you're not going to be able to use all those types of guys, right. you know? So I, I, I like all three of them. I like Russell Henley a lot, a lot this week. Um, Let me try to find something middle of the pack, guys. Like Mark Hubbard, I'm going to keep just giving you Mark Hubbard. Just, he's just a really good iron player, so he's a player that I think would be nice. Carson Young had a good week last week. A uh, good putter, good iron player. Uh, Andrew Novak, he's played well at the Honda Classic before. He's a player that's in good form. Um, who else? How about like a how about like a Ben Griffin or a Lee Hodges? You like either of those guys? Ben Griffin, I think, is a good pick for any week. I just think he makes a lot of cuts and finishes top twenty five a lot. So yeah, I like Ben Griffin. Lee Hodges. Like I don't know what type of form. Of a lineup. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember what type of form Lee Hodges is in right now, and that would that would steer me away a little bit just because I can't remember how well he's been playing. But the other player that kind of comes to mind here. And maybe it's a little too soon on this, but Adrian Dumont de Chase Sartre. ADDC, baby. Love it. He's a player that I feel like we haven't seen yet at all yet this season. When is he going to pop? Is it this week? I don't know. But he's a player that I think is a high upside guy. You know, like if he just gets up around the lead type of player. Maybe he's a guy that misses a lot of cuts, but when he does play good, he finishes top five. And I think he's a guy you can just stash at the bottom of the lineups too. So I don't know. ADDC, when I'm looking at that rookie list we talked about earlier and you're picking, like he is jumping off the page to me. Like just, I, I think that's a guy that he, he, he's too good of a player to not round in some form at some point the season. Now, I don't know enough about like which you know, what suits his game in terms of grasses or course fits or whatever else. But it just feels like one of these events, like a Cognizant or, mm-hmm. or, or a, a, a little bit of a weaker field, he could pick off a win this year, uh, you know, with the right timing, right form. So I Ooh, love Ben Coles ADDC. is another guy. Ben Coles. Ben Coles. Yeah. Another KFD grad. Ben so. Coles, good putter, confident player. Just get him up around the lead. Watch him go. Love it. Well, there we go. Lots of names thrown at you. We are going with the playoff pairing of last year at what was the honda classic now the cognizant classic smiley taking chris kirk i'm taking eric cole we'll, we'll make sure to clip this and put this up uh if and when we we win and if we don't you'll never hear about it again so. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's all for this week on the smiley show as mentioned earlier we have uh, a, a really fun interview with uh shane lowry dropping wednesday that Spans a lot of topics. Uh, Gaelic football, Irish football, I think is the name of what, what it is that, that uh, I had no idea played. what Gaelic football. Did you know what Gaelic football was? I, I'd heard of it. Okay. I heard of it. I, I had no clue what the rules were. I thought but that was like the team name. I thought the Gaelic was like the, the franchise or something. I didn't know that was 
like the sport, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was a fun, a fun subplot to that entire interview was you just navigating Me learning Irish the game. culture, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just navigating Irish culture and, and names and places in general, but it's a ton of fun talking to Shane. And then of course, you know, your, your shared experience at what was the Honda. So a lot of fun. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and your pod feeds and of course on YouTube and, uh, yeah, we appreciate you watching and listening as always. We'll talk to you back here soon. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.